0: that is just the uk good morning (laughs) and welcome to the latest edition of now morning learnings mixed in with lunchtime learnings and evening learnings delighted to be joined by james williams who is a coach in australia in adelaide um so thanks very much for joining me incredibly grateful i know you've had a really busy day there it's most probably um, what what time of day is it uh, it's six o'clock almost on the dot. So, yeah, it's the evening learnings here. <laughs> and a nice sunny day to make everybody jealous as it's pitch black in the UK. It is just how it looks in neighbors. Um, it's at uh, 29 and sunny. So, right. That's enough, That's enough of that. That's terrible. <laughs> Morning. Uh, I was going say, thank you much very much. For much mate. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be here. No, I mean, you've come highly recommended from um, James Trimble. So thank you, James. I'm really grateful for the introduction. So, James, tell us a bit, a little bit about yourself, how you got into a state agency and how you got into coaching. Morning, Jeremy. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, just firstly, obviously, um,
1: came recommended from James. James does amazing work here uh, in Australia with uh, Rain and Horn. Um, and uh, any friend of his is certainly a friend of mine. So it's a pleasure to help out. Um, So the question was, how did I get into real estate and coaching? Was it, sorry,
0: Stephen? Yes, please.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I'll I'll give you the short version because it can be a very, very long story. But um, I came out of school and got into, I sort of gave up on university as I wasn't tickling my fancy. And I got a job in um, sort of direct door-to-door sales, selling Foxtel, which is like cable television. This is before the Netflix days, you know, when cable television was big and, um, I got pretty good at that and I I got pretty good at sales. And um, I remember thinking to myself, well, uh, eventually everybody's gonna have Foxtel. Um, What's something that people are always gonna need and what's the best thing you can sell? Which is of course, uh, the answer was houses. So I uh, I pulled some strings and I tried to get a job. I had friends at a very big um, company back here in South Australia. It was very big, especially back in the sort of early 2000s when I got into real estate. And I pulled some strings to get a job and they wouldn't hire me. I think I had about three or four interviews and um, I kept getting pushed back and I kept calling and I kept calling until eventually, uh, I quote this, I didn't say these words, so I should be held accountable. But I think I was told by um, a female, I said, we've got a job for you, but you've got to wear a skirt. (laughs) And uh, she said, we've got a job on reception for you. So I said, I'll take it, Um, I'll mop floor's at the place if I have to, and uh, got my first job in real estate on reception then worked in various different roles over the next few years. And then lucky enough, I met a man named Phil Harris, um, who is uh, an incredibly good mentor and a very good friend and um, incredibly good real estate agent, runs Harris Real Estate here, one of the biggest companies in Australia. Um, anyway, Phil was stupid enough to hire me as his uh, buyer specialist and, um, and we had a great run together and we sold for about uh, five or six years as sort of best mates and very, very good salespeople working together. And then I was lucky enough to be invited to be a partner in the opening of Harris Real Estate. Um, so yeah. that, was the, that was the short of it. I could go into a lot more detail, um, but after doing all of this, I, I started training a lot of the agents and mentoring a lot of the younger agents at Harris Real Estate and discovered that I had a huge passion for training and coaching probably even more so than selling houses. And um, I opened my own business, James Williams Coaching,
0: six and a half or seven years ago now. And it's uh, been a a good ride ever since. Brilliant, so welcome. And let's just welcome some people that have joined this morning. So Mr. Tyler, good morning from Billericay. Um, Luke, good morning from Leicester. Happy birthday, Luke. Got a good singing voice, James? Happy birthday, Luke. That's as much as he's going to get,
1: but uh, he can imagine the song.
0: Kimberly, <laughs> thanks very much for joining. Richard, thanks very much for joining. Very grateful. I know it's very early this morning, for, so thank you. So please um, give James some loving, some likes. Let's share it. Let's get the message out there. That'd be fantastic. So can I just come back on one thing you said? Door knocking. Yes. That must have been fun. So what lessons did you learn from knocking on people's doors? And um, what would you say now about, morning, Amy, what would you say now about door knocking? It's very interesting. I've had four conversations in the last week about door knocking. So I've had a gentleman from Canada, um, a guest from Canada, we were talking about it. Um, Hine on um, Friday, we were talking about it. And I was out yesterday walking with Luke socially distanced, I had. And again, we were talking about door knocking. So just interested in your views.
1: Yeah, well at first it was horrific. Uh it, we were dropped we were driven out in a van to sort of the outer suburbs of the city where I'm from. Um and the the spot where I was first door knocking, um, the the local prison was within an eyesight of where we were door knocking, if that gives you any idea. And um I remember being chased to the door a couple of times and it wasn't a nice place to be cutting your teeth. Um, However, you know, I'm I'm a big believer that if you could knock on somebody's door in direct sales and, um, you know, and and close a deal of something they had no idea was even knocking on their door, uh, they weren't expecting it, they had no necessarily need or desire for it and you can close them to a 24-month contract to um, cable television, you're picking up some pretty good skills and I'm also a big believer, um, and I say this with so much love and respect to the real estate industry, but I think the real estate industry, especially in Australia, um, there are so many real estate agents, but there are uh, you know not that many of them are, are highly trained salespeople that possess the sales skills necessary to, to enjoy a large level of success. And I think you can learn that door knocking. Um, Usually, if I'm involved in the hiring process of any new agent, if they've had success in direct sales, either door-to-door or cold calling, that's a very, very
0: good step in the right direction of telling me that they have what it takes to, to make it in real estate. So you touched on sales skills. So obviously, yes. you train a lot of agents in um, Australia. What other sales skills are that you've seen from high performers out there um, that really work? Uh I think I think first
1: of all, um, and you'll hear me mention this a lot, is just having the the belief system and mentality of, of sweating in practice so you don't bleed in battle. And, and what I mean by that is being prepared to to work in the training room on your scripts, on your dialogues, on your listing appointment, on your prospecting calls. Um, Be prepared to put the two things, the ego aside, where you'll actually start recording your own phone calls and listing appointments and reviewing them. But also being prepared to sweat it out with your colleagues and be a little bit embarrassed in front of each other, so you can fine tune your skills. So when you go in front of your clients, you're not making, you know, ten thousand or twenty thousand dollar mistakes. Um, but I also, uh, in my career as a coach, it probably wasn't about till about two years in that I started really obsessing over um, sales skills, and, and I, I almost separated that from real estate training because it's not something that was heavily focused on, I don't think. Um, and what I mean when I say sales skills is, you know, the art of closing, the art of handling objections um, and, and really fine tuning uh, skills which are universal across any industry. But I think that as in, certainly in Australia sometimes overlooked in regards to training. But when you harness these skills, you can be much more effective on the phone. You can be much more effective face-to-face and you can make a lot more money.
0: Okay, so um, can I ask you a quick question? Certainly. I'm, I'm guessing got, you're going to ask me a few. just as you just just as you pick out uh, your your glass up, your cup of tea up. Um, have you got a card on you, a debit card on you? I don't, unfortunately. It's all. Uh, we're all lazy. It's all on my phone here. Unfortunately, that's, that's good. So again, one of the things that I find working when I've been doing training is just to yeah. ask. Um, have you got a debit card so they all get their debit cards out and you can tap here five times which 45 45 times it's about 225 pounds and then I say to people why have you put your debit card out on the table and you're flying it around and they said well because you've asked me so I said asked me that's great so I said well why did you do that well we we trust you well so I've only been training you for five minutes but yeah, wow, well. it the is they like trust and know you. If you don't ask, you don't going to get the best result yeah. I've had was I collected 11,000 pounds off a training course for everybody doing it. It's amazing what you wow, do. Just by wow. the way. I don't advise asking your vendors or your landlords, <laughs> to put the <laughs> the you yeah, know. yeah. I, I do. Well, like I, I, sorry, I
1: was just going to say, Stephen, I, I, two things that you just said there, um, are, are, are huge for me, and that the most. One of the most important parts of the sales process is trust and rapport. And when you have that with a client, you're much more likely to have influence and get the deal done. Uh, and I think uh, building rapport, I don't, I, you know, I speak from the Australian marketplace, so um, not not being sure of how things are going over there. But, you know, building rapport is almost becoming a little bit of a forgotten art on the telephone these days, Um People ask how people are without actually caring. They go, Stephen, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? And nobody responded, cared, and no rapport was built. So I think that's a huge one. And the other one was said you don't know unless you ask. And from my experience with real estate agents here in Australia, I think that you know a large percentage of them don't ask. They don't actually close. They wait to be closed by the buyer who says, can I put in an offer? Or the vendor who says, hey, we're ready to go with you. How do we get the ball rolling? They actually walk into a listing appointment, spend an hour and a half talking about selling someone's house, and then they walk out without even asking for the business, which is absolutely crazy and insane in, in my
0: mind. So best closes, best asks. So, James, thanks very much for coming today. It's been lovely. Yeah. i like, I like to instruct you today. Morning, Andy Overman. Sorry, please sorry, repeat that. So um, I've, you've just been around to my property, okay, yes. just, you know, you've, you've been there an hour and a half, I've listened to yeah. you, um, yeah. how you are sort of yeah. what's the lines that work I, for you?
1: So, so I, I think the most important things is, um, first of all, if you're talking about a listing appointment, it's a, I don't call it closing, I call it opening, because you're opening a relationship, you're not actually closing a deal, right? But I think you've got to be focused very heavily on satisfying somebody's needs, because if you can satisfy someone's needs, they're going to be comfortable going with you. This isn't closing them to a 24-month contract of, um, you know, pay television like I was doing, you know, 20 years ago, whatever it was. Um, This is, you know, being trusted with their biggest assets. So focusing on satisfying their needs. So at the beginning of a listing appointment, I'll build an agenda based on what you tell me your needs are. And at the end of that appointment, I'll go through and I will like any good story has a beginning, middle and an end. I will go through and summarize that um, one by one, making sure that you're comfortable. Once I've done that, um, it's usually what my rules are for closing, keep it calm, keep it confident and keep it casual. So uh, your your job as an agent is to transfer certainty Um, And any uncertainty that you transfer to a potential client, whether it's a buyer or a vendor, could stop the deal from going ahead. So you're calm. Uh, You keep it confident in your word choice, but you also keep it casual. So you avoid things like signing and paperwork. So to answer your question directly, something along the lines of depending on the scenario, Stephen, when we caught up today... Uh, we outlined a few main areas that you wanted to talk about. Uh, the good news is I think we've ticked them all off, but uh, let's just go through and make sure. So the first thing was price. And I'll go through and summarise everything that we spoke about in that and make sure that I get a, does that all make sense now? And you'll say yes, and I'll physically tick it off the agenda. Once I've gone through and I've ticked everything off, depending on the scenario, approaching it with a, a you know a three-question close, which is, uh, Stephen, has, has anything else come up over the last... 45 minutes or so, Is anything else come up that's on your mind that you're unsure of, any questions, any concerns whatsoever? Mm-hmm. Um, now, that question is very sincere because I want to know if there are any objections because if there are, they're going to stop me from getting the deal. So that that one's sincere. I want to find out the answer to that. And if there is, I'll add it to the list and we will talk about it and we will tick it off. If there isn't, though, if I say, is anything else come up and you say no, saying cool are you sure which obviously you are you just said it. i'm just being polite then um and then once they say yeah we're sure i'll say any questions for me as your agent uh, which you can probably hear a, a cheeky little approach there any questions for me as your agent um and if they say no to that it's very much of a process of okay well Stephen, let's get the ball rolling and get this property sold uh, which is avoiding the biggest mistakes of yes or no questions, but it's also keeping it calm, confident, and casual with an assumptive close, which doesn't present them the option of
0: saying no. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Love all of that. So, can I come <laughs> back? I do have an objection. Your fees are too high. So, I've got um, the agent down the road. You're at 2%, they're at 1%. They tell yeah. me are doing exactly the same thing. Um, you know, obviously, you've mentioned that this is my biggest tax asset, tax-free asset. Um, I want to make sure I'm maximizing it. Um, of course. That percent, you know, can make a big difference.
1: Yeah, completely understandable. I mean, that that percent, I'm not sure what the difference in the agents that we're talking about here, but I'm sure it's a, no small amount of money. And first of all, Stephen, I want you to thank you for, for bringing it up. Um, it's something I... I talk about a couple of times every day, and if I was in your position, I'd certainly be asking the exact same thing. Do you mind me asking, um, I don't need to know who the other agents are, that's not important to me, but do you mind me asking what the difference in that that fee is? It's about um,
0: $8,000.
1: <laughs> that's Okay. First of all, in Australia, that would be an insane, insane difference in fees. However, let's work with it. Um, so, Stephen, do you mind me asking as well, did the agents start at that lower fee or did they drop
0: their fee to that point? No, that's what they started at. They started at. Okay, cool. So I can completely understand that yeah. because you, you want to leave here with the end of it, they come down even more. Sorry, mate? Hopefully by the end of it, they discount it even more for me. So in, in this
1: scenario, you've got... What, what I've done so far and what's the most important thing when handling any... Um, fee objection or any objection whatsoever is that you slow down and you welcome the objection on board so somebody says to me is my fee negotiable the worst thing i can do is start knocking or butting heads with you right so the first thing i'll do is hey steve that's a great question that's something i get asked a couple of times every day and if i was in your position i would ask the exact same thing um, which makes them feel comfortable relaxed and lowers their defenses I now want to ask a question to better understand the objection. So you say that the agent has either lowered their fee or they've started at that point. If they've lowered their fee, it's a very easy one to approach with numerous different dialogues. Um, you can approach it with the, you know, in essence, what's happened here is I feel you've just out-negotiated the negotiator. You know, if they do that with their money, what are they going to do with yours? And that's a that's a really easy one to squash uh, with the right winning words. If they've started with that fee, usually what I find the best approach is to figure out what it is, uh, a, a, an actual dollar amount rather than a percent. Um, in in Australia, depending on the, the price of the property, the difference in a fee would usually be closer to a 1000 or $2,000 usually, which sounds a lot better than 0.5 or a full percent, whatever it is. Um, so once we've got there and I've understood that they've started at that point. Um, There are different ways to approach this, but I'll usually say something on the lines of, Stephen, it's like any service or product. If somebody can't match the level of service and generate the same results, usually their only option is to lower the price point to attract the consumer, which can quite often tempt people to go with the cheaper service. The only problem is 99% of the time, the cheaper service ends up being the most expensive. Um, So uh, let's look at a scenario here. Have you ever driven down one of the main roads where you're from and seen a a sign to get your car serviced for 79 bucks or whatever the, the dollar is there, a much cheaper amount than what you currently pay to get your car serviced? Yes, yep, see it all the time. And for a second, I don't know about you, but I think to myself, hey, that's about $400 cheaper than what I'm currently paying. And for a split second, I think about potentially taking my car in there before very quickly realising that might be a, a bad idea. What happens when you see that sign?
0: Well, you pay for what you get, don't you? So, um, you know, I've, I've tried that one before and uh, I didn't have a great experience. So, so do, you, do you take, you, you don't take your car in there, right? No, drive to the next one.
1: Because, because what we're worried about is that although it looks like it could be saving us $300, with the eventual result whether it's straight away or over the next 12 months it ends up costing us a lot more than if we actually invested in the better service it's exactly the same but only magnified when looking with a at, a, at choosing a real estate agent because the difference between a an average agent and a world class agent in regards to negotiation could be upwards of $40,000 um so although it looks like it's saving you it could end up costing you $32,000. Stephen, I wouldn't be worried about the difference in our fee because you won't be paying it. The buyer will
0: out of the result that I get you.
1: There's different approaches there that we can be going through.
0: Okay. So, again, coming back to sweat it out (laughs) in practice so you don't need to bleed in battle. Yes. Conversation that's going to happen day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you find that the people you coach, obviously, they're having these conversations. But for agents that aren't, how do they get into the discipline and habit of practising these um, ejection ejection handlings that they can?
1: Yeah, sure. So so first of all, they've got to either come up with the winning words or get access to the winning words. And, you know, you, you just hit the nail on the head when you said that they're going to get asked these questions time and time again. Real estate is completely predictable. You know, Agents will be hearing the same, very similar things in the lounge room over in the UK than they're hearing here. They'll be hearing the same thing 10 years ago and they'll be hearing the same thing in 10 years time. The other agent will drop their fee. The other agent will have cheaper marketing. We don't want a signboard, et cetera, et cetera. They said the same things when I was selling, they'll be saying the same things in 20 years time. However, agents are still surprised sitting there at the lounge room table when the vendor says, can you negotiate on your fee? Um, And you ask an agent, you say, if you went into 10 competitive listing appointments this week, how many of them will ask you to drop your fee? Probably nine or 10 of them. Um, So first of all, it's the realisation that it is predictable and that you can prepare yourself for this scenario. Um, But to answer your question more directly, how do they get themselves into a position where they can? Well, they either need to A, come up with the winning words themselves, or B, reach out to a colleague or a coach like yourself or me, access the winning words and the scripts. And that's the best thing about real estate is that it's a profession where there are industry leaders who will literally sell you exactly what to say, which has been proven to work in the lounge room. Um, so access the winning words and then realise that if it's not scheduled, it doesn't exist. Schedule in time at least two or three times a week where you're prepared to role play this with a colleague, um, realizing that practice makes perfect, realize that you will sweat it out, realize that you will feel embarrassed, but I'd prefer to feel that feeling than to lose the listing
0: in the lounge room. Brilliant. So coming back right to the start, okay? So you yes. have even gone to the listing. Yeah. Uh, what stuff are you doing to educate that vendor that they should use you? Because I'm sure they choose the agent six months, eight months before they even know they're looking for that agent, one. And then yeah. second, what stuff are you sending to that vendor before you turn up? Uh, really, really good
1: questions. Uh, There's a lot of different answers for that. Um, I think I think first of all, to, to realise that the listing isn't just one uh, in the lounge room. So having a world-class listing process, and I'm talking about, um, I'm not talking about in the six months, In the lead up here, I'm talking about when the appointment's booked. So let's say they call you and they say, We're getting, we want you to come out and and appraise our property. We're getting two other agents out. Um, Now the process begins. And whatever your listing process looks like in comparison to the other agents, you may have won or lost the listing by the time you rock up to the door. So having the right questions to ask in that initial conversation. Um, what sort of follow-up you've got in between that and the appointment? Do you have what we'd call in Australia a world-class pre-listing kit, which is information that you send out to them before that appointment? Um, you know, are you providing video testimonials of, of previous clients who have had excellent experiences with you? Um, and, uh, you know, what's your confirmation like on the day? And all of this is um, important because uh, the the listing isn't
0: just one in the lounge room so what's the best pre-listing kit that you've seen out there
1: um i think i think to be honest the best pre-listing kit is to be malleable with it and, and actually spend the time actually if the listing's big enough and, and it's a worthwhile investment to spend some time individualizing the listing kit for the actual vendors and the property that you're visiting so it doesn't just look like you've printed off something and dropped it on their doorstop or sent it out to them knowing whether or not that vendor needs something digital or in their hand is important depending on the vendor depending on the age depending on the demographic and i think something that like i don't know about in the uk Stephen, but something that isn't used nearly enough here is video testimonials People still rely heavily on written testimonials and I think people believe what they see a lot more than what they read. So creating a video which has, you know, a minute-long video which has 10 of your past clients saying why they chose you, what the process was like, how happy they were with the result, would they recommend you to family and friends could be the thing that gets you across the line from your competitor
0: brilliant thank you that's all right so again just coming back questions to ask so again lot of the right questions you should be asking um, before you go in so you're fully prepared. In, that, in, that
1: initial, in that initial phone call yeah yeah so i'm a i'm a big one first of all on um, making sure that both decision makers are going to be there if there are two decision makers so you're not wasting your time um, but making sure you ask that question in a way which isn't going to insult somebody. Um, So will you be the only person involved in making the decision or is there anybody else involved in making the decision rather than, you know, is it just you or is your wife going to be there? And then then the guy goes, oh, I've just been divorced. And now you've brought up something negative, which isn't going to be good. Right? So uh, confirming that both parties are going to uh, be there or or both decision makers are going to be there if there are two um, is really important. Um, I think Getting an idea on price range is important as well of their expectations, and um, that could be done by saying something along the lines of Stephen, at some stage it may be useful to have a look at comparable sales. So just so I can order the relevant searches, what price range do you think your home's in? Emphasizing the word range will get a better response. If you don't emphasize the word range, they'll usually say, that's your job, buddy. That's why I've got you coming out. That was my
0: next question to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So if, if you do, I'm, I'm a huge believer in mastering the art of communication and, um, and having a huge importance on tonality and physiology. So I apologise now. I've come out of about six hours of coaching, so my, my, my voice is a bit hoarse. But, you know, if, I, if I'm on the phone and I'm, or I'm coaching or if I'm working with a client or if I'm selling, um, there's a huge emphasis on the right words at the right time and the right physiology and tonality can make the world of difference. And that's a great example. If I, if I say, so what price range do you think your home's in? Well, you go, well, you know, your defenses might go up and say, that's why I've got you coming out. But just by saying, hey, um, so I can order the relevant searches, what price range do you think your home's in? Now it, it opens it up a little bit, the defenses go down and you'll find they'll be more open to telling you the answer. Um, so they're, they're two really important questions to be asking uh, Obviously, get a description of the property. Find out if they've made any significant improvements on the home. That's really important. Um, and try to build some rapport in that initial conversation. So when you arrive, you're you know a few steps ahead of your competitor.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Morning, Paul. Morning, Pete. Thanks very much for joining us. Really great. Good morning. Interview. So please like it, share it, get the message out there. So let's talk about my favorite subject: prospecting. Yes. So in the UK, 95% of agents have no prospecting or stay in touch policy whatsoever, especially to people that bought it a year ago or two years ago. And in fact, I was doing a training course last week and somebody had bought a property in February and they already want to move because they've realized in lockdown it's too small and they're taking yeah. over their spare bedroom. So um, stay in touch policies, what do you recommend? Well,
1: first of all, I'm glad to hear that because I thought it was just Australia that the 90% of agents didn't do it. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm a, a, a huge believer that the biggest or the most consistent thing in real estate is inconsistency. It's an inconsistency in income directly from an inconsistency in outbound activity. And agents don't prioritize prospecting uh, when it's actually the most important activity. So... to to block out time every day to to execute at least a two or three-point prospecting plan, in my opinion. In other words, having more than one iron in the fire. So if I'm an agent, I want to know where my listings are coming from. Okay, well, I'm going to work past clients and referrers. I'm going to work my open for inspections and convert buyers into sellers. And I'm also going to work, um, for example, my farming area or BDA, which is like your local suburb that you're you know, desiring to take over. So I wanna be aware of what um, my three different areas, at least three are, and then I wanna know what the systems that are in place are, use my CRM properly, my, my database properly, so it's all automated. And that's a big one, Stephen, for me, like that's a huge one. Um, getting your CRM to work for you and
0: uh, yeah, and, and executing that prospecting on a daily basis okay well you know for me it's what get scheduled gets done and you've meant and you've mentioned it um plenty of times this morning it is scheduling it in your diary. It is making it part of a process. I mean, when there's a few of us, Luke, who's on this um, this morning, when we came over to Australia, we were very fortunate and we went into some of the top agents' offices in Sydney and um, on the Gold Coast as well. And we saw their prospecting and listening to them. At half seven in the morning, they've spoken to all their vendors. They've, yeah. had, they've had the conversations and it's it's very different here. You know, when I tell that to people on the training courses, what do you mean they've done all their prospecting calls before half seven or they're 10 yeah. 10, you know, whatever it is. But for me, mm. people just make excuses, you know, they say, oh, I'll do it later in the day and then something happens and they don't do it. It's going to have a big impact in what's going to happen to their business in the next 90 days if they're not doing it today. But that's that's the
1: problem, isn't it? It doesn't hurt them today. It hurts them in 90 days. Um, and that's why they can, you know, excuse themselves from the activity. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest issues. If it, if it hurt them tomorrow, maybe they would have more impact. But, you know, if you study uh, the success of the, the leading agents across the world, you will find that the majority of them consistently prospect. They prioritize it. They block out time every single morning to execute the activity. So there's... Uh, There's first of all that, making sure that you're consistently prospecting. And then from a coaching perspective, once I've got an agent doing that, and there's so many areas involved in that because most of it comes back to issues with self-discipline. And I'll work on building morning routines with agents that build the self-discipline to execute the prospecting early. Uh, But then once we've got them prospecting, now it's about diving into that. And this is what I was saying before when I got passionate about the sales skills is, Actually, let's have a look at the quality of these phone calls, what's being said in these phone calls, because I could put an agent that doesn't have the right scripts on the phone to someone who does and knows them unconsciously, you know, they're unconsciously competent with it, um, and they're going to book seven
0: appointments out of ten calls and this person's going to book none. So there's both both aspects are incredibly important. Okay, so what should I be saying when I'm making those calls? I appreciate there would be different conversations you'll have. Yeah from you what do you you know from a person who's booking 7 or 8 or 9 out of 10 compared to the zero yeah. what are they saying please well,
1: i i'm i think there's a formula and this sounds a bit silly because there are so many different phone calls but I, i've tried to work on building a formula for the, the perfect phone call as crazy as that sounds right um I believe believe the first thing that needs to happen is um, preparation, so preparing for the call, and that's going into the phone call with a purpose and and doing some research. So you're going in there with some market knowledge that you can tell them or you've read the notes in the CRM so you know where the relationships are. Anyway, preparation is the first thing. Then to consciously think, what's the purpose and the outcome of this call? So why am I going into the call and what do I want to get out of the call? I mean, approaching any situation in life, asking those two questions, you'll be more efficient. Then it's having a look at the belief structure, because most agents will sell themselves out of something before they go into it. um, And their self-talk talks them out of making the call. Anyway, let's answer the question for you or I'll I'll ramble on. Um, I I believe the, uh, the formula, loose formula for the ideal phone call goes rapport, market knowledge or reason for the call and then personal value. So calling, for example, a past client to call and say, Stephen, it's James Williams from you know JW Real Estate. How are you? And and really caring about how you are and spending some time building some rapport, connecting. Hopefully, my notes tell me about the soccer team that you support or whatever it is, and we connect and we have a laugh, and now the relationship's up here. Then before it gets awkward saying, Hey, Stephen, the reason for the call is we were just doing a look a flyover report over whatever your suburbs name is i've got some great news you guys have recorded 3.6 percent capital growth for the last six months so there's there's now a reason for the call rather than hey steve we just wanted to call to touch base and see if you have any real estate plans
0: which is a pestering phone call um brilliant and actually you just reminded me of something so right move which is the equivalent of your real put out a uh, a publication yesterday that prices are going to rise by 4% overall next year. So again, that's a great reason to have a conversation with people today um, to tell them that. Um, And it's a way of staying in contact Look, I'm very conscious of time. So I've got uh, one final question, which for most probably not being the final question anyway. Um, (laughs) Phil Harris. Yes, uh, I've heard loads of amazing things about. Yes, whether he's been on with Tom Panis, John McGrath, Eric, stuff like mm. that. So one of the best agents that I've heard about come across in um, in Australia. Yeah. What you, What did you learn from him working with him? You know, what are the qualities that he's got to be an exceptional agent um, and a great leader? As an incredibly
1: difficult question to answer, and the reason being is because uh, there are so many. Like this guy is, um, uh, you know, I have no affiliation with any agencies. I work with so many different companies, and I mean this on a personal level. That guy is the Michael Jordan of real estate. I've never seen somebody so committed to excellence. Um, you know, before I was allowed to have a job with him, he sent me across to the complete salesperson's course, which is a Lee Woodward program. Um, and made me learn about 10 scripts before my first day. Um, his, his level of self-discipline and his commitment to, you know, sweating in practice so you don't bleed in battle, and his commitment to being the absolute best he can be, I haven't seen matched by another human being in or outside of real estate. Um, and is certainly a large reason, uh, not just for the for the actual steps that, you know, I managed to go on with him. But his inspiration of that is a large reason of who I am, who I am personally and professionally today. So um, it's a tough one to give you the answer to, but uh, he is committed to being absolutely excellent in all facets of his life, whether it's as a father, as a real estate agent, his physical fitness, as a mentor and a leader, and he's prepared to sacrifice all human personal enjoyment to, <laughs> to do so. Not quite, but it,
0: it seems close to it with him, man. He's, he's, he's not human, I don't think. So how does he do that? You know, what lessons has he got into? So how does he self-develop, improve himself and and go from there? Because for me, success leads clues. Yeah, definitely. Well, the biggest one that, that
1: ended up changing my life, even though I didn't implement it for a few Years afterwards, is that I used to arrive at the office, and this is fifteen years ago now. And this guy's energy was up here at seven o'clock in the morning, and he was way ahead mentally and physically than everybody. And it, I, I didn't, it didn't make sense to me. And then I discovered that he had this morning routine that he was religious about. He'd already run six kilometers, listened to a John McGrath tape, read a book, written in his journal before he'd even had his first conversation. Um, And that's something that I think can change anybody's life and um, is a huge part to success, is building a morning routine um, that works for you, but primes you and gets you to the best version of yourself. Um, Then for him, as a a real estate agent, for any agents that are listening, he was, back then I don't think anybody was quite uh, onto it as much, not that I know of, but he was obsessed with um, learning the scripts. He was obsessed with learning the dialogues. He was prepared to, you know, when we, what we, were, when we were practicing auctions, we'd meet out in the middle of a public oval at seven o'clock in the morning and scream out bidding for an hour or we would practice scripts until we had no voice. He was
0: just committed to excellence, I guess. Brilliant. Amazing. Well, I'm incredibly grateful for your time. So thank you so much. If people want to connect with you and find yes. you, how do they do that, please?
1: Well, first of all, Stephen, thank you for having me, mate. It's, um, as I said, on the back end of a large day of coaching. So um, hopefully the answers made sense and were helpful to everybody. Um, uh, on Instagram, uh, I put out a lot of free content. Um, James Williams Coaching on most platforms There's a, a podcast, which is over 70 episodes of, which you can look up, called James Williams Coaching. And I have a um, a complete online training program at jameswilliams.coach, which is my um, yeah online training system, which agents can work with. So that's where they can find me. Um, but Stephen, it's uh, been an absolute pleasure speaking with
0: you, mate. So I hope you have a great day over there in the UK. Mate, brilliant. So thank you all for watching, um, whether now or whether you're watching um, later on replay i um, incredibly grateful tomorrow night now, just to throw everybody, because I know it should be called, it is called Lunchtime Learning, but tomorrow night I'm going to be joined by David Knox, who's an American real estate trainer, who has been in the industry for about 40, 50 years, who um, we heard in NAR, who was absolutely fantastic. That's going to be at seven o'clock in the evening, UK time, so I'm looking forward to that, so please join me. James, thank you so much um, for being an amazing guest, for your time. Incredibly grateful, and thank you all, and have a great day.
1: My pleasure.